you know, just praying about it and stuff like that. And I really wanted to talk about um, people's reaction to either hearing that the Savior was coming um, or the reaction to when he was born. And so I had, uh, you know, Mary's reactions and Joseph's reaction and um, uh, the wise man's reaction and Herod's reaction and Simeon's reaction um, and Zachariah's reaction and um, Mary's cousin there. What's her name? I forgot. Thank you. Wow. So that's not in your notes. But regardless, the point is, I, so I had like three a week. And last week, I just only wanted to do Mary. And so I kept doing it some more this week. And I'm sorry, all you get is the shepherd's reaction. <laughs> so turn to Luke chapter 2. Hopefully a familiar passage to you. I do love um, that we should not get bored with uh, going to the old scriptures at the same time of year. That's okay. Uh, there's a depth that God will always bring out more to it. You cannot exhaust the scriptures. They are eternal. They are eternal. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 10. It says, Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, again, I am glad I know the story. I'm glad we know the story. I'm glad um, that we can uh, tune in our hearts to what you would have to teach us today about your birth, your reincarnation, this um, word that will be forever. Lord, it's exciting to think of when we are in heaven for billions of years that we will uh, still have your word and we will talk and we will be taught by the great i am and maybe uh, is it possible lord again that as you teach us in heaven we will go we didn't even come close to knowing what the scriptures were really talking about thank you uh so much for your depth in your name amen all right, so again, the message will be simple for me. I'm going to really focus on verse 15. Uh, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Jesus Christ himself has become incarnate. He is Emmanuel, the Savior, the God of the world, is now in flesh on earth. They have the announcement from the angels, and their first response is in action. Let's go. 
Why do I say that is because, as we know in our Christian walks, there are many who hear stories about Jesus Christ and never act on it at all. These guys right away acted and said, let's go. Let's go see what they're talking about. And what's interesting about that is it seems like they're leaving their livelihood. They go and it does not appear like anyone's going to stay behind to take care of the sheep. They're leaving all these sheep behind so that they can go see Jesus. So it is very simple. What are you willing to leave behind in order to see your Savior? What are the sheep, the things that God might has asked you to leave in order to see Him? I know there's seems to be many Christians who even get saved and are not willing to let go of things they have held on to their whole lives in order to get a better picture of who Jesus is. And as we've mentioned time and time again, the reason I can't be specific with that is because it's different for every single one of you. There are things that God asks us to let go of, to not worry about, to put into His hand so that we might be able to see Him more clearly. And it's different for all of us. The shepherds this night, yes, it was a miracle. They saw a whole heavenly host. They heard angels. They sat there and they knew a miracle was happening. But they did something about it. They left their sheep. They went. It would be good for us to remember that we have been called to be crucified with him. That I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's an action that I take. It's an actual thing that I set forth saying, I will deliberately choose to not worry about this part of my life so that I might pursue him. It would make complete sense. For the shepherds to go, well, maybe we'll see him in the morning. We're taking care of the sheep right now. One of the songs I, uh, I never really listened to growing up, but you just know of, was a song that goes something like this. I've got to be with him on that midnight train to Georgia. I'd rather live in his world than live without him in mine. I love that song. I could tell you all about the history. It really won't. There's nothing special about it. But the whole point is that we had a time even now. Like Because you know what? This song always makes me think, man, how much romantic songs have changed. <laughs> like, this was a song that said, I will leave everything I have. I would rather be with him and live in my world alone. And now we have, you know, I, I, I don't, there's a lot to choose. There's a lot to choose. I'm telling you, this generation wouldn't even understand these kind of songs. I've got to be with him on a midnight train to Georgia because I'd rather live in his world than live without him in mine. And I just think, and the next line is for love. For love, I'm going to board the midnight train to ride. For love, I'm going to board it. And so that's just the, the epitome of our Savior, right? When I talk like this, like, hey, are you willing to leave things behind? It's for love. 
it's because you're going to go see Jesus. It's not like, oh, man, the Christian life is just such a huge sacrifice where you just got to, you know, always kind of be the ones with no pleasure and no fun. That's completely opposite. The point is we're actually going to the one that gives pleasure and the one that makes life fun. <laughs> and that's why we're leaving the other things. I mean, think about it. If you're sitting here with a shepherd today, you'd be like, hey, you had a chance to go see God the very first day he was born or take care of sheep. Which one did you choose? Well, I took care of sheep. All of us would be like, that was the wrong choice. And yet the reality is we're faced with that every single day of our lives. Did you pursue the Lord today? Did you spend time with him? He wanted to meet with you today. No, actually I decided to just go eat a little more breakfast. That's the reality. How did they go? What was the action like? This is one of the first times, again, as I've said, that you read this story forever and ever, and, and this one clicked for me this year. For some reason, it says they came with haste. They didn't sit there and talk for a while. Like I said, they didn't make sure the sheep were taken care of. They didn't do any of that. They went running. Okay, let's take off. Let's do this. When it comes to us obeying the Lord, do you know timing is actually important? I like their example that they right away went. I wouldn't even say it's an obedience thing. It's kind of interesting. You don't really see. I mean, it's implied, but the angels never tell them to go. They just tell them what's happened. And they take it on themselves to say, we got to go see Jesus. We've got to see this. And they're doing it with haste. Tim and I, for some reason, we're talking about this the last two or three weeks of, of literally training our kids when they were little that it's not okay to just obey. You have to do it right away. It doesn't work if you decide to obey me an hour down the road. So with chores, when we say clean up the kitchen, they don't get to go, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. That's not going to work. There was a situation <laughs> uh, this week in school where it was kind of fun. I had a student finally kind of go head to head with me. And he was talking in class. And I said, yeah, I'm just going to separate you guys. And I put him in different parts of the room. And I hear him go, I'm not going to move. I went, oh, this is going to be fun. I said, nah, you're going to go sit back there. Nope. So, you know, we do the whole dance, and I keep teaching, and I'm, every five minutes, you, you got to go back there. Okay, I'll keep teaching. I finally had a break. I put him out in the hall. Silent treatment. Won't talk to me. At this point, I would love to say I was loving and graceful. I wanted to be. No, I'm, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> um, but the point is, he finally said, I was going to move tomorrow. And he was dead serious. In his mind, it was great. I even messed up. I'm not moving today. I still want control. I'll move for you tomorrow. And I just wonder sometimes, do I try to obey God like that and then actually think it works in my mind? When God asks me to do something, I go, yeah, yeah. Let me just take care of things first. And then I'll obey you. That doesn't work. <laughs> they came with haste. They came 
fast to go see Mary and Joseph. Another thing I was thinking about with them was they did not know exactly where to find him. Have you thought of that? All they have is go to a city, find a babe in a manger. I think there's a few more mangers. I would assume. I don't think they're going to go knock on a door. Most people go, oh, yeah, God was born three houses down. That's not what's going to happen. So as they are trying to make an action, a response to what has been told to them, they do not have a clear-cut path on how to get there. And this is the beautiful picture of the Christian walk. When God calls Abraham and says, leave your family, leave everything you know, I'm going to show you a land. Hook the Lord where? Just start walking. That's, that's our faith, guys. And I, I've told you before, I wish it wasn't like that. It'd be very easy to kind of have the GPS coordinate, and this is where i got to go. But it tends to be like God doesn't do that. God says, you go search, and I'm going to guide you on the way. The shepherds literally went into a town and said, we have to find a baby in the manger. That's a needle in the haystack. That doesn't make sense at all. And yet, guess what? They found him. Outside of this action of responding to this message, there's also an experience. After in verse 15 it says, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. They wanted to see it for their own eyes. They wanted to use their senses. And again, I just think it's, it's just part of the whole experience. When they got there, think about what it was like to be a human there and meet Messiah. You have a brand new born baby. There might be all different kinds of smells from animals, from birth, from everything. They see a baby. They're hearing a baby. They're hearing Mary and Joseph talk. Do you think Mary's just all gleeful? She just gave birth. They were trying to talk to a woman who just gave birth. It's kind of like you always, that's right, you don't, you don't. You just sit there. You wait for Joseph to say something, and then can I say something? I mean, think of the reality of all those things. And then they're holding God. I don't think they get it, but they saw some angels probably for the first time in their life. And now they're going, man, I just saw angels and the whole sky light up saying, this is the Savior. I'm what is going on? But I'm experiencing this. I'm holding a baby. If Mary let him, that's a whole other thing. You know, mom's first day they're born. There's some stuff there. There's too many times in our Christian walk where I don't know what it is that we, we stop talking about experiencing God on a real level. I don't know if we're afraid because of different things. I don't know what it is. But it is not enough to just try to go do things and act on it. We should be experiencing God. We should have moments in our life where we said, yes, I had an experience with him. He changed my life. <sighs> to really see him. Um, there was some interesting stories on this, I'll read you one of them. Um, in his book, An Anthropologist on Mars, neurologist Oliver Sacks talked about Virgil, 
a man who had been blind from early childhood. When he was 50, Virgil underwent surgery and was given the gift of sight. But as he and Dr. Sachs found out, having the physical capacity for sight is not the same as seeing. His first experiences with sight were confusing. He was able to make out colors and movements, but arranging them into a coherent picture was more difficult. Over time, he learned to identify various objects, but his habits, his behaviors, were still those of a blind man. Dr. Sachs asserts one must die as a blind person to be born again as a seeing person. It is the interim, the limbo, that is so terrible. And you can actually read about people who've had um, lenses and, you know, all the scientific stuff of actually being able to see for the first time. And we just take for granted that when we see something, we have already developmentally uh, grown up and, and we can attach in our imagination what we're seeing and, and, and make connection. If you have never seen anything, there's nothing to hold on to when you actually do see something. There is no foundation. There is no nothing for you to kind of grasp and put things together. It takes a long time for someone who's actually blind and actually have the ability to see to start making sense of things. And so why do I say that? Because you know the spiritual parallels of all this stuff, that we were born blind and that God has opened up our eyes. But just because we're seeing things does not necessarily mean we're experiencing it and we're comprehending it. I want to be like the shepherds that said, I'm going to see him. I want to see him. So I'm not just talking about some, I saw the angels too. I want an experience. Want an experience. How do you know when someone has experienced God? How do you know? How do you know <laughs> if you've actually experienced him or you've just heard about it? I think one of the simple things is you'll see life changed. It is impossible to have a true experience with God and not be changed. So if change isn't happening, maybe you're not experiencing him. The next thing that happens when they see him is they start to spread the word about him. It says in verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. I got to tell you that in reading this this time, and I was uh, thinking about it and praying and things of that nature, you could, as a preacher, just, you know, start getting into the whole spread the word, tell people about Jesus, all this stuff. I just, you don't start talking about Jesus until you've seen him. That's the point. You can't force that stuff. If it's hard for you to talk about him, and I know, you know, I'm not talking about being shy. I'm just talking about there's so many times that we try to force people to talk about Jesus. You start talking about him when you've experienced him. That's as plain and simple as it gets. It's not magic. You can hear what you want at church. You can listen to sermons online. You can do all that until you've experienced him. 
that's when you start talking about it. I think it's, you know, simple. Kim has always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I don't want to go. It's not that I don't want to go. I just would rather go other places. But regardless, I can try to tell you right now about the Grand Canyon. I can read about it. I've seen pictures of it. Is that really the same as if I go travel and then tell you about my trip? It's not. It's not even close, actually. And actually disrespects what the Grand Canyon really is. If you've been there, I think it's Bartholomew's Land, right? Now you imagine me trying to describe the Grand Canyon or the Bartholomew trying to describe it when they actually saw it. Who's going to have the better story? It's just plain and simple. We're constantly talking about, well, let's talk about Jesus. Until you've seen him, what are you going to talk about? Just what you've heard. Seeing him also makes you start to praise and glorify him. It says in verse 20, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told them. To praise is to kind of tell a story about God. To glorify is to extol or magnify him for a specific event. Okay, so it says they're glorifying and praising God. Basically, they're glorifying him for what just happened. Hey, man, we were out in the field. Some angels came. That was crazy. Then the night got better. We met Mary and Joseph. I held God. I know that sounds weird, but that's what happened tonight. Praise the Lord. They're describing a specific thing that God did to them with their lives. But the praising is funny. That's just telling a story about who God is. It's because I experienced this. Let me just tell you about my Savior, period. Let me tell you something about God. And so that's what happens when we start to experience who Jesus is. When we see him, we not only praise him for what he has done, but we praise him for who he is. You've heard of that. That should come out in our Christian walks. There's more than just what he's done. It's who he is. And the two go back and forth, back and forth, and they relate, and, and they're all connected of how he has worked in our lives and just who he is outside of our lives and the fact that we're all wrapped into that plan. It's an amazing thing. We praise and glorify God when we see him. What's their reaction like if they stay in the field? It's a cool story. Some angels. And I heard the Savior was born. That's pretty cool. Nothing like going and getting off their heinies and going to see the Savior. Finally, as we talk about action and seeing him or experiencing him, you've got to know that those two things are based on God's word. So if you look back in verse 15, it says, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. First of all, it's pretty interesting that they give credit to God. Because last time I checked, the angels were in the sky. So think about that. What you have said, the angel told me. Or would you have said, God told me tonight? That's interesting. The Lord made known to us. This is what was going to happen. 
Okay, so they're going based on God's word. Two, how did the shepherds know this was Jesus? They matched their experience with the word that was spoken. This is what you must do as a believer. When you take action and you think you're experiencing who God is, you have to go back to the text and make sure it fits. How do we know this? It actually says it in the text. That sometimes we just kind of go over it. It says you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. What does that mean? They go into Bethlehem if they see a baby, but there's no manger, then guess what? It doesn't work. That's not the Messiah. If they go and see a manger and a toddler, guess what? That's not the Messiah. It didn't line up with what they told you. They have to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. That's what they have to find in order for that prophetic word to be confirmed. And so as we go around, this is where Christians get into trouble. I had this experience. I want to go do this for the Lord. Does it match up? What are you talking about? I had an experience. I had a what? Does it match up? It has to match up. Because if not, you're going down a dangerous road. Your experiences and seeing the Lord and pursuing and having action have to go into it. I've told you before, man, when we were growing up, we, we, would, we would just tease each other and we'd be like, not biblical. I mean, anything we did, I'm going to go watch this movie, not biblical. Okay, I'm going to go date this girl, not biblical. And we would just fool on, and it kind of became like a game, as in, you've got to give me something to show why you think your actions are right, based on the book. You've got to be able to show me in the book why what you're doing is okay. And that's how it should be, guys. That's the call of the Christian. These great shepherds had this truly miraculous thing happen to them, and they got to see, but they were going based on what was told them. What God told them. They could not just go find any baby and go, oh, look at this. They had to match it up. I tell you, I hope we experience the Lord in 2021. Through that whole speech, I hope, you know, we see him in a different way. I hope we have action. I hope we do things, but we have got to line it up with the book. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much um, for answered prayers. Lord, thank you that all of your actions um, and your experiences were not tainted by any sin whatsoever, that you are the living word of God. So what you did and, and what you continue to do and what you will do is just all perfect. And uh, thank you for that. And thank you um, for you being the one um, who took action and came uh, to earth. And you did it based on what the prophetic word said you would do. You fulfilled every prophecy. And so thank you so much for being our example, that you um, know what it's like to be a man and that we cannot ever come at you and say you just don't understand, for you do. And I appreciate that. Lord, uh, thank you just uh, again that um, when we're in heaven for so long, there will still be a history 
that you became a man and that you understand us. Thank you so much. Lord, we pray that you would empower us, that you would uh, have a mighty work done in our lives, that we might experience who you are in a biblical fashion, that we might take action in your name. Amen.